Yeah, or three or seven or whatever. Yeah, perfect. All right, good morning, everybody. Happy Sunday, friends. My name is Pete. I am one of the pastors here. Today we are continuing our Grow series. The big idea in this series is that there are spiritual practices that have helped us follow Jesus for the long haul. This series is about sharing those practices in a way that we hope will empower you to engage in them and follow Jesus for the long haul yourself. Uh, we have heard so far about prayer and worship. These are practices that are about our connection with God. Today, we get to focus on a practice that's about our love of both God and people, and that is service. Service is one of our five central values here at River Heights, and it is one that is built into our relationship with God and with the world. We are here to serve. The passage we use for the church to explain our commitment to service is from Matthew 20, verses 25 to 28. Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the heathen lord it over them, and that their great ones have absolute power, but it must not be so among you. No. Whoever, wants to, whoever among you wants to be great must become the servant of you all. And if they want to be first among you, they must be your slave, just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we know Jesus' words about power still ring true today. Most of the world's rulers in every arena use their power to benefit themselves. All we got to do is look at any media to discover that. Jesus offers an alternative way to live in the world, and that is service. That's what Jesus came to do all the way up to dying on a cross rather than using divine power for his own benefit. And so that's what a Christian does. As we follow Jesus, we learn to serve. We use our power for the benefit of others. Christians serve. Now that sounds simple, but sometimes, however, it is not that simple in real life, right? Sometimes our lives are in flux. Things are not going right. Our systems are broken. And the busyness of our day gets in the way of serving. And even if the stars align and our schedules work out, there are spiritual forces that work against having a heart of service. Pride and selfishness, laziness and greed, most of the seven deadly sins prevent us from service and cause us to look out for ourselves first. Now, you made it to church on a Sunday, and so you are likely not intentionally giving your heart over to these forces, right? But we all know that they are going to continue to come against us for the rest of our lives, rising up in our hearts again and again. And so every day we get to make the decision, do we serve ourselves or others? Just as Justin talked about with worship last week, there is a spiritual battle for your service. Are you going to serve yourself or are you going to serve God and people? Now, I have found that genuine service can be part of a cycle that is either virtuous or vicious. On the one hand, our faith can move us toward service, and as we serve, we feel valued and loved and connected, and those good feelings build us up and leave us free to serve even more. And I love that kind of cycle where doing good leads to good things and helps us do more good. And there are all kinds of benefits that come along with service. There are lists of these things with links to scientific studies all over the interwebs. And so here are some things behavioral researchers have discovered that service does for you. For example, service makes you feel good, gives you a sense of belonging, contributes to having a sense of meaning 
and purpose. Keeps your life in perspective. I was talking to a guy at work one night a week at a bar trying to reach people that aren't coming to church necessarily, right? And I was talking to him last night, and I said, how's life? He goes, oh, my life is great. My wife is deaf, and anytime I think I have problems, she tells me, hey, you got ears, right? So perspective, like serving other people in their need, keeps us in touch with how fortunate we are. Service lowers your blood pressure. It helps teens do better. I have two of these in my house. Three. I have three of these in my house. This is super good news. Get your teens serving. It has a huge impact on their lives. Serving lengthens your life, leads to stronger friendships, reduces chronic pain, makes you happier, and spreads to others. As people see you serving, they are in turn more likely to serve themselves. These are incredible benefits, and I would call them blessings. These are good things that God gives to us. God made us to serve and calls us to serve, knowing that this is how we're wired. God knows what's good for you, and God always calls you toward good. Not just good for other people, good for you. God knows what's best for you, and Jesus came and demonstrated this for us. Service can be part of a virtuous cycle in your life that blesses you over the long haul. On the other hand, we can feel bad about ourselves, decide that we need to protect ourselves, decide I'm going to serve me in hopes that makes me feel better, and in return, that makes you feel less valued, less loved and connected, and less able to serve. Here's what serving less does for you. Fails to make you feel good. Gives you no sense of belonging. Does not contribute in any way to a sense of meaning or purpose. Keeps your focus on your problems. Fails to help your body. Makes you come off like a bad teen. Sometimes the teens in my house say, oh, I can't believe I have to do a chore today. Right? Right? Failing to serve does nothing for your friendships, leaves you in your pain, and spreads no good to no one. Nobody wants these things in their lives. We want the opposite. We want the first slide. In service, we build ourselves and other people up. In serving ourselves over the long haul, we let other people fall down. And over time, we actually tear ourselves down too. And so if these two slides are so obvious, why is this so hard? Looking at these lists, you would think this would be so easy every day to choose the first one. Jesus said it is better to give than to receive, and he was so right. I think there are three main reasons we choose not to serve. I'll talk about those and see if any of these connect with your heart like they do with mine. First off, there's deception. There's a reason I made these slides like real bullet pointy and stuck them on a slide today. It's because we are easily deceived, and it's nice to see the truth sometimes. In our day-to-day, moment-to-moment life, we can believe our lives will get better if I serve me first. This is one of the core deceptions of human existence. So many people think the path to happiness is figure out what you want and go get it. Ironically, that is one of the worst paths to happiness. There's a whole book on this topic that I really love called Stumbling on Happiness. We read it for leadership. Here's the cliff notes. You are terrible at knowing what would make you happy. You are worse than everyone else in this room at knowing what would make you happy. That's scientifically proven, folks. It's funny, but it's actually true, all right? 
And yet we still fall prey to this lie all the time. Yes, service is good for people. Technically, I am a person, but you don't understand. Right now, it's not convenient. It does not sound like fun. It does not advance my goals for me. I got to serve me because only I can take care of me. Now, I'm not saying here service is in every situation always the right choice or that literally every moment of the day should be sent in service to others. I want to encourage you to enjoy your life. God wants you to enjoy your life too. But without service as a regular part of it, your life will always be missing something. You'll never have the joy and the meaning that service can bring. We can also be deceived in our motivations. We can serve for all kinds of wrong reasons, like obligation. That's a terrible one for Christians. Here at the second service, you might be less prey to this one. But obligation does not work as a way to serve other people. We can serve to earn God's love or the love of other people. And we can serve to manipulate people in the world to get what we want. None of those reasons are actually service to others. Those are all serving yourself. If you have burned out on serving, it's likely you were looking for something that you weren't getting that's not on the list of blessings that come with service. And so, friends, do not be deceived. Serving for selfish gain doesn't feel anywhere near as good as serving for the blessing of others. And if you're serving because you're supposed to, let me repeat, if you're serving because you're supposed to, I suggest taking a break. Get with God and figure out how to serve in a different way with a different heart. God can help you get there. We can also be deceived about our value. Life can grind us down to where we don't think we have anything important enough to offer, like we don't have anything worth giving. That is never true. It's not true of anybody in this room or anybody out there. You are infinitely valuable to God. And God has put specific things inside of you that no one else has. Everybody here, everybody out there has something to offer in service that matters and that changes the world. The first reason we fall away from service is deception. The next one, and I think most prevalent in the modern world, is busyness. I'm reading a book right now by one of my favorite Christian authors, Jacques Ellul, the first Christian anarchist. God bless him. It's called The Presence of the Kingdom. In 1947, he wrote a book about how technology impacts humanity. He said technology is going to make us busier and busier. It's going to make our lives less and less meaningful. It's going to result in a world where humans are enslaved to technology. It will always lead to death because of that. And I can't think of a better description of the modern world. Our lives are surrounded by devices that were supposed to save us time. You used to have to go to a person to talk to them. Now you can just call them from anywhere in the world. Do you know that there originally was the idea that these things would save us time? Anybody experiencing the opposite besides me? The weekly report of how much I used my phone is grim, people. You used to have to chop wood to put into a stove to cook your food. Now you pop it in a microwave. But technology has not made my life any less busy. And having lived through the tech boom of the 90s and 2000s, I can say I feel way busier than I have ever felt. There's always something to do, and I'm almost always doing something. And perhaps you feel busy as well. 
You may have heard, uh, oh, unfortunately, busyness is one of the main reasons we miss opportunities to serve. We just don't have the time. We drive by the person in distress. We look away from the person in need. We grab for ourselves first because I'm busy. I got stuff to do. You may have heard of the famous study conducted on a seminary campus. This is people training to be pastors. The professor was giving these students a test over the parable of the Good Samaritan, the story Jesus told about the one person willing to go out of their way to help someone in need. The researchers paid a person to lie down on the ground in front of the building and moan and wail and be in severe distress. The students ignored the actor, walked around the actor, and some stepped over the actor to get to the test about the Good Samaritan. <clears throat> Friends, here's the grim news. Your life is the test. Our whole life is the same exact test. Every day that passes, we have the same kind of choices. Every day we can help someone out or we can move around them or even step over them on our way to what we think is more important. The choice to follow Jesus in service is rarely convenient. I had this huge eye-opening realization about three, four years ago. Service is inconvenient for the rest of my life. I keep waiting for it to feel good in the moment. I feel like there's some kind of holiness where you become, you know, one of the amazing people here at River Heights that I think about when I think about service, where I'm going to do it and it's going to feel good in the moment. But no, it feels like an interruption to the thing that I was about to do instead of this. Every time. Service is rarely convenient, and it almost never helps us get our short-term goals accomplished. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24 to 26. If anyone desires to come after me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Busyness tells you take care of yourself right now, just for now, Eventually, you'll have time for good things like serving. But we only live now. Your whole life is just one long now. If you always take care of your own needs for now, you will miss out on everything that God has for you in serving other people. The first two ways we miss out on service are deception and busyness. The third is sin. The Bible has a word for all the ways we either do wrong or fall short of perfect. It's the same word for both. And it's sin. Sin isn't something God wants you to be ashamed of. It is something Jesus Christ came to set you free from. But all of us have to deal with the fact that we're going to fall short and do wrong. Amen? We're going to do these things. That's what sin is. And the Bible says sin is actually a force that works against us. It's a spirituality a spiritual reality that brings death when it rules in us. The bad news is that sin is going to always work to keep you selfish and proud and unwilling to serve. Sin's going to work to keep you busy, distracted, and focused on yourself for the short term instead of focused on God's great design over the long haul. And the Bible says the wages of sin and death, and that is what is wrong with the world. But there's a whole nother part of that verse. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
Deception, busyness, and sin keep us from service, but there is a solution available to us for all of these things. It is to give yourself to Jesus. The Bible says two things about truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the Bible says, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. The answer to deception is to know Christ, the living Christ. And Jesus has a solution for busyness. Here's what he said. Come to me, you who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. As we spend more time coming to Jesus, we learn how to step off the hamster wheel of the constantly driven life where we work harder and harder and never get ahead. As we come to Jesus, our heart, which is our way of life, becomes free of slavery in a way that's different for every one of us. I can't tell you how to find the rest of Christ. God's the one who knows you, and God's the one who has a way for you, no matter who you are, to experience the rest of Christ, one that I could never tell you. The solution for busyness is come to Jesus. And there's a solution for sin, too. It's the gift of God, eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In Christ, we have forgiveness for all of our sins done to us and done by us. God can forgive all that stuff in you, and that frees us from the forces of death and brings us into eternal life. I have had some real challenges in my life in the last four years or so. I went through a divorce that broke my family apart and left my job in real flux. We got to experience COVID together, or should I say, we got to experience COVID isolated and alone. The whole time I was in seminary, trying to lead a church through a pandemic, and I can think of three things, actually, that got me through. One is the example of my parents. They raised me to work hard no matter what comes. My dad was a mechanic who worked hard his whole life long. My mom cooked and cleaned every day and raised three boys, and the house always looked good, like literally every day all the time. I can't imagine how that happened. I have no idea at all what magic took place in my mom's raising of her children. My parents taught me that loving your family and working hard can make it, help you make it through the hard times. The next thing that helped me was serving, specifically praying for people after services here. I got three months off in the middle of all this horrible stuff in my life uh, during which to, you know, heal or whatever. And I would come to church, and toward the end of the week, I would have a spiritual battle that might sound familiar to you. I'd start to feel like this week, I should not go up and pray for people because I got real needs, man. I, I should take care of me, right? Does anybody wake up and decide whether to go to church every week? This morning, my wife and I looked at each other and said... How about we just don't go today? Gay can deliver the sermon, can't you, Gay? You'd be awesome up here, you know? Maybe we should skip today. Like that spiritual battle to not do good this time, to just let go this time, to just do what feels more comfortable this time. That stuff's for real, and it's for everybody. But every week I chose to walk up and pray for people, I encountered God in a way that changed my life. It was like, you know... I'm not trying to make a point. I just sit and I think, what actually helped me make it? It was praying for people on Sundays more than anything that would refill me and remind me I have value and that God loves me. It was amazing. 
and a friend going through some similar challenges to what I face. They're experiencing the same thing. Serving others refills our tank and makes us able to keep going. And I gotta add one more thing that helped me, and that is how well I have been served. I think about my days off. I get to cook on my, my rest day, and cooking is just what I love to do. And then my roommate cleans. She doesn't wanna cook, she wants to she'd rather clean than cook. And then my friends, the Rasmussens, bring beverages. And this circle of service where we're all helping each other makes our evening better than if we were doing our own thing. I hate cleaning. I love shopping and cooking. I think of how well the staff here carried me through some of the hardest times of my divorce in those years. And I am so grateful for Becca and Janet and Jeff Connor who have gone with our church plant, for Justin and Gay. All of them helped me and served me. And I've been so well served by some of what I'd call the pillars of our community, which is actually a list too long for me to name completely. So I just wrote down a few. If you're not on the list, you belong there, you count, trust me, all right? I think of Bruce and Bonnie Gustafson, John Messenberg, Kim Sharpentier, and Jeff and Barbara Pelletier here at River Heights, as well as our council and our preaching team. I loved coming and having someone else preach. It was fantastic. I think about Claire Peterson and Tony Akehurst, Gay Naren, and Justin and Jeremiah Berg, just, uh, Jeremiah and Vanessa Berg, who are all part of our recovery ministry, which is so near and dear to my heart because I'm an addict myself. And most especially, I think of John and Sue Marston, who planted our church. Sue met with me on Zoom for an hour every week through like two years. And John checked in on me all the time. And their love and service for decades added so much authority to their loving service in a hard time for me. To be honest, I have served at this church, been served at this church, way more than I'm ever going to be able to serve. And I want that for you. I want you to be part of a group of people that because there's so many of them and because they are filled with Jesus, they're going to serve you 50 times more than you're ever going to be able to serve other people and serve them back. I don't know how the math works, but I know there's no way I'm ever going to be able to repay all that's been done for me here. That's what God envisions for you too. Here's how it's put in the J.B. Phillips translation of Hebrews 10, 21 to 25. Since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus Christ, set over the household of God, let us draw near with true hearts and fullest confidence, knowing that our inmost souls have been purified by the sprinkling of Christ's blood, just as our bodies are cleansed by the washing of clean water in baptism. In this confidence, let us hold on to the hope that we profess without the slightest hesitation, for God is utterly dependable. And let us think of one another and how we can encourage each other to love and to do good deeds. And let us not hold aloof from our church meetings as some do. Let us do all we can to help one another's faith. And this more earnestly as we say, see the final day drawing even nearer. God's plan is for the people of faith, doubts and flaws and whatever you bring to the table and all, to serve God and each other so well that we are built up and made more able to love and do good deeds for the whole world. And this happens through our church meetings if we manage to stay out of the way and let God's work happen. And in my experience, that's what's been happening here week after week, year after year, decade after decade now. And so thank you, all of you, 
have served here in any way, you have been part of making this beautiful vision of God reality. You have made me and countless other people more whole. Thank you. I want to invite you to stand as you're able and the worship team to come on back up here. Got three tips for you to put the word of God into practice as we are receiving it this week. Tip number one, read Hebrews 10 verses 19 to 39. They're beautiful. Tip number two, pray for a heart of service. If you leave this message feeling like you should serve more, I have failed and I'm sorry. That is not what I am trying to say. What I am trying to say is you are free to serve more. God invites you to serve more. You have the power to respond as you will. I think the answer is to have a heart of service, and that's something God can give you. Pray for a heart of service. Tip number three, find a place to serve here. Do you remember the devastatingly awesome youth kid and children's pastor who were up here mere moments ago? We have like a real need for making River Heights Vineyard happen. That is to get more people serving, in particular during second service, with our pre-K and elementary age kids who are the church of today. You know who's like more likely than you to tell their friends about Jesus? Literally any kid in kids' church. And you know who's like more likely to listen? Their friends. They are the church. And uh, we need your help making that happen. So look to the interests of others, as the Bible says. We got 50 other different ways to serve. You know, if you want to serve in any of those ways, let us know on your connection card. I'd like to lead us in prayer, and the worship team will close us in worship. And uh, we'll have folks up here, if you'd be willing to come up and pray for folks. We'll pray anything under the sun for you. Pray particularly about having a heart of service today, but anything you ask. So God, we are so grateful that Jesus Christ, you came to serve. Thank you. And uh, we're, thank we're grateful that you keep on serving, that you keep on praying for us, that you keep on doing good. Thank you. And as you've served us, God, we ask that you would help us to serve others freely out of a heart of love. We ask that you would love us so much that we become love and a gift of service to the whole world. We ask that you would help us to leave here, to serve here and to serve everywhere else, to make the choice each day not to move away or step around or step over, but instead to move toward and to reach out, to lend a hand. Thank you for all the folks who have served me and kept me whole, God. Help us each to find that place where we are served and where we serve in love. Amen. The team will let us know when we're done. Come receive prayer as God leads. God bless you, friends.